If you will lift up your hands right now, if you believe that God is not finished with you. Come on, there is nothing that the devil can stop. If God has started it, you're not finished now. You're not finished now.
the Lord, everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. We got Sister Patrice on the AV. Amen. Amen. That's right, IJ. Yeah, Sister Patrice is on the AV. And she is doing her thing. Let me say this real quick since I'm thinking about that. Um, for those of us that live stream the service and you know other people that live stream our service, um, I would like to encourage you to live stream from either YouTube, our church app, or our church website. You don't want to really um, uh, live stream from Facebook if you can help it. Um, Facebook um, have too many rules that they use to kind of govern, you know, how they stream church services. Um, and so sometimes um, the, the, if you're listening to the live stream through Facebook, it might get silent on you and you might not hear what's going on over here if it's um, during the praise and worship time. So if you don't want to miss out on anything, um, your best bet is to live stream through our website, through our church app, or through um, YouTube. And that way you won't have to worry about missing out on anything. So that is something that I wanted you to know. Um, uh, what Facebook does is when you play songs that are already recorded, they mute it sometimes. Um, when you are listening and so when they mute it it means that you stop hearing and so um yeah if you if you're doing live stream you are better off live streaming through youtube the church website or the church app and you won't really experience um, any interruption and so that is my public service announcement tonight amen stand with me we might have one more public service announcement. Um, uh, we, we, we will change up a little order in our service coming this Sunday. And so um, one of the things that we will implement is, you know, we've always prayed for our church service. But I feel like it is very important that when we pray, we put some focused prayer on people that are in need of prayer. And so um, what we will request um, through our audiovisual, if um, someone is live streaming from home, that um, they can uh, put their prayer requests in um, virtually. Um, however, they're listening, you know, you have the chat um, when you're viewing, you can get in the chat. Even before we get into the preaching, um, you can enter in your prayer requests. And we will get it to the pulpit that by the time we get to that time of prayer, we will have your prayer requests already. And then we will begin to pray about those things for you. So we want to do that. So if someone is listening live, they can submit their prayer requests during that time. And um, we will together have corporate prayer for them. For those of us that are present, you will have the opportunity to just raise your hand regarding whatever prayer requests you have. And also, if we have prayer requests that um, came in throughout the week um, virtually, then we will also have those prayer requests. So we want to take time that we use for prayer time um, during our church services on Sundays 
to at least take a few minutes to pray for those that we know that uh, need prayer. Um, We're supposed to be serving the Lord by serving his people. And I believe people really need that. Um, When people come into church, they want to leave with something. That's the bottom line. And if you're doing that, then guess if you feel that way, then the people um, that are um, live streaming, they feel that way, too, that I need something from the service. So we must give them an opportunity to receive something. Now, God can do anything for them throughout the entire service. But at least if they have a prayer request and we pray for them and God answer that prayer, they receive something regardless of what happened in that church service. So it's very important that we understand that. Amen. All right. So that's another public announcement um, um, that I had for you. And finally, tomorrow evening and Saturday morning, but let's deal with tomorrow evening. We have um, a Holy Ghost rally in refu- in Newark, New Jersey at Refuge um, Apostolic Church in um, Newark, New Jersey. And the Holy Ghost um, rally is Friday night. Um, we're going to um, have someone teach on how to receive the Holy Ghost and how to pray for someone uh, to receive the Holy Ghost. And then Saturday morning, if there's anyone that do not have the Holy Ghost, um, then we would like for them to attend that they may be prayed for to receive the Holy Ghost. So I believe that um, tomorrow evening at 730, um, we will have the kickoff where we'll be instructed how to pray for someone and how someone will receive the Holy Ghost. And then I believe it might be 11 a.m. Saturday, 12 noon. Okay, 12 noon Saturday, we can invite those who do not have the Holy Ghost and they would like to have the Holy Ghost um, that they will um, um, be prayed for and can receive the Holy Ghost. So that's very important. Um, People cannot get to heaven without the Holy Ghost. I know we don't like to talk about that much. Because it, 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 it becomes a challenge for those of us that don't have the Holy Ghost. But the bottom line is if you don't have the Holy Ghost, don't you rest until you receive the Holy Ghost. I remember when I got to church, I, re- I got baptized in Jesus' name February 1st. I don't think I received the Holy Ghost till probably August. And um, one of the reasons, I mean, and I wanted the Holy Ghost and I was pushing. Um, I think I received the Holy Ghost when, see, we couldn't do this to you all in this day and age. But I remember... I said to one of the brothers that was leading um, the outreach ministry. So the brother that was leading the outreach ministry, I said to the brother, hey, man, I want to be on outreach. The brother said to me, well, have you received the Holy Ghost yet? They knew I didn't receive the Holy Ghost. I said, no. He said, well, until you receive the Holy Ghost, can't be on outreach. We say that to people now, their feelings hurt and they won't leave the church. Leave the church because you tell them you can't be in ministry because, you know, until this happened and that happened, they, they, they walk away. Ah, I'm not going to that church. Who they think they are? Uh, but what are you going to do? But but if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need to do everything you can until you get filled with the Holy Ghost, till you speak with tongues like the Bible says. Um, and sometimes people say, well, I feel like I have it. I'm not telling you you don't have it. But just be what the Bible says. Make sure you identify as the Bible teaches that when they first received the Holy Ghost, they spoke with tongues. So don't underestimate now that you received the Holy Ghost. Don't listen to anybody telling you, well, it's not that way anymore. And people say it. Oh, that was back then. That It's not that way anymore. You can have the Holy Ghost. You can feel that you have the Holy Ghost. 
please, that's not the way you want to go. You want to speak with tongues as when they receive the Holy Ghost the very first time. People are still receiving the Holy Ghost today, speaking with tongues. And the Holy Ghost is not just for some people. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. Not just special people have the Holy Ghost. You know, because that's the next thing that people try to pass off. Well, it's not for everybody. You know, God decide who he gives the Holy Ghost to because you might be called a special ministry. We cannot get to heaven without the Holy Ghost. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. It says that if we have not the spirit of God, we are none of his. Not to mention, here is the biggest thing that I, um, after I get past that, that was my, the the first thing about the the scripture um, pertaining to the Holy Ghost that challenged me, right? But the second thing that I came across, which is in that same text, probably later down in it, is that the spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead is the spirit that will raise us up from earth to help us ascend to heaven. Because we don't have anything here in the earth. We don't, there is nothing, you know, um, planes can't go where Jesus dwells in the heavens. So the only thing that can get us there is what's already there. That's the Holy Ghost. So you can't get to heaven without the Holy Ghost. And that's the whole thing. There will be a catching away of the church or, if you will, the rapture of the church. And the only way you get caught away or raptured out of the earth is by the spirit of God that dwells in you. So the Holy Ghost is, is what we need to, to, be, to belong to God. It says that we are his when we're sealed with the spirit and that makes us his property. And then if we're going to get to heaven, we must have this Holy Ghost to ascend into the heavens. So every one of us need the Holy Ghost. It's not for some of us. So anytime, you, you know, old, old, old days um, when you didn't have the Holy Ghost, you didn't let a church service go by where you didn't come to the altar and pray to receive the Holy Ghost. So what happened to me is I was going to the altar every time the church service, but I wasn't receiving the Holy Ghost. And back then, Sister uh, Hasker, then you have about 50 men gather around you. You become the spectacle. 50 men all around. Oh, Lord, fill it with your spirit. And they're praying. And you with oh, oh, yeah, no feeling going on. And then you hate to walk away after that service like, I didn't get it. You know, because everybody's saying, did you get it? Did you get it? And so after a while, you didn't want to do it anymore because you didn't walk away talking about I didn't get it. Right? And so that's what it was. And eventually, got it. But I didn't get offended, is what I'm saying. And when it comes down to the things of God, you cannot become offended. Um, I, w- I was just talking to my son Ethan there just now, and I was telling him, um, you know, you can't tell us. Well, some of you, may, they might can tell this. You can't tell us what you are in God and we not see it. So it doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense to tell anybody anything. It, it, it don't make sense. You know, it's like saying, you know, there's people that say, I love God. And then the way they treat their families and other people, you're like, okay, they love God. You, you don't say anything about that because you can't say you love God and don't treat people right. Right? And you can't say that you are humble and you're not submitted to anybody in this life that have authority over you. So you can't be humble. So you can tell me you're humble. And, and, and I'm like, okay, I never see anybody that they, 
you know, report into to say, hey, you have authority in my life, but you say you humble. So, I'm, you know, so I, I just stay quiet and pray for people. I don't, you know, bring it up in their face and try to make them feel bad. And we should all do the same. But you got to know that what people say doesn't matter. It's how they live their life that matters. It's just that simple. And so we don't need to get, you know, call anybody out or make anybody feel bad or to try to flaunt how we live our life before them and say, look at me. We don't need to do any of that, but just have wisdom and understand how it works, that you don't have to tell anybody anything that you are trying to get them to believe about you. They will know it by watching your life. It's just that simple. The Bible says we know them by their fruit. Let's pray tonight. (laughs) Father, we thank you for gathering us together. We're here because of you, Lord. We love you. We want to know you in a more intimate way. We want to live for you to please you. Lord, we're not here to serve ourselves, but we want to be Christ-centered, and we want to serve you, Lord God. We, we humble ourselves tonight, Lord God, and we submit under your authority. Lord, we realize we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we ask tonight, Lord, that you will forgive us, that you will cleanse us and sanctify us. We ask that you will purge us from iniquities. And, oh God, that you will truly wash us, oh God, in the blood. Wash us that we may be clean, Lord God, by the washing of the word of God. Tonight, Lord, I pray that as we, oh God, worship and adore you, and as you speak into our life, into our heart, that, Lord, we will experience change within our heart, change within our mind, Lord God. We pray that there will be transformation, and, oh God, that we will be equipped tonight, Lord God, to be better Christians, to be who you called us to be, to serve you how you want us to serve. I pray that somebody's life will be changed tonight, that somebody will hear and apply the word of God in their life, that somebody, Lord, will receive from you and walk out of this place differently. God, will you anoint me and use me as your oracle to speak with clarity to speak with authority, to speak in love, to speak with passion. And will you touch the heart of your people that their heart will be open and receptive to the word of God. And Lord, and tonight together, the will of God will be done in our midst. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name for you're worthy and we bless you. We praise you. We adore you. We magnify your name. For your name is above every name, and there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus, have your way tonight. Jesus, we love you tonight. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be home. Either I'm getting old. Either I'm getting old. Or 
before I really do understand my purpose and my calling in life. One or the other. Could be both, I guess. But whenever I go any place, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to get home, but I realize some of these places that I go, the Lord sends me on a mission, and there's something in it for me to receive. As much as I'm going to serve the Lord, there's something in it for me to receive. And so I realize, you know, when God has directed me to do something, and I go and do it, but I can't wait to get home. This is where I belong in this church, in this community. This is where I belong, and I thank God for that. Amen. I like to be where God wants me to be. I don't want to be anyplace else but where God wants me to be. I heard um, one of my friends, I think it was Brother Dibble, that says, the best place to be is in the will of God. Whatever that looks like, the best place to be is in the will of God. And if God's will is for you to be here in Christ-centered church and to get equipped and developed then there's no place better. No matter what your eyes tell you, no matter what your ears tell you, just be where God wants you to be, and there is no better place to be than where God wants you to be. Amen. We're still on our series. I think this is my second to last lesson on the prayer series, and so um, we're going to get there. I did promise you we will talk about prayer a little bit as we move through our season where we're praying i realize some of us have become tired in the morning but don't give up amen this is supposed to be a way of life anyway prayer is supposed to be a way of life you know so we're waking up early at 5 a.m and we're praying and we're saying man this is uh you know when is this going to be over but really and truly hopefully this is cultivating a lifestyle for you that even if we're not doing it um What's the right word that I can use? We're not doing it officially. It's not some meeting that we're called as a church that you will continue still in waking up early and praying. And early morning prayer is important because you want to seek the Lord before you enter into our world. You don't want to go out there and then say, oh, let me catch up in my prayer because, you know, you want to seek God that he gives you direction as um, you go throughout the day and you want him to start you off. When you get out that front door of your house or back door, if you like to go to the back, whichever one, you want to make sure the Lord's hand is upon you in what he wants to do in you and through you. And you want to make sure you're fully in tune with him. So prayer is important before you get out of that house. So depending on the time that you have to navigate and negotiate, make sure you pray. Amen. It's not just something that we're doing. It's supposed to be our way of life. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse number 30, the word of God says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I found none. Verse 31, Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them, I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. And so tonight I want to talk to you a little bit on this topic. We are intercessors. We are intercessors. Amen. 
The Lord said he searched among his people for one individual who would stand in the gap so that the enemy wouldn't penetrate the wall and invade the city, but he found none. I want to say this about that. It didn't mean there was no one that God could rely on to stand in the gap. But for every community, for every church, for every town, for every uh, generation, there should always be people that represent that city, that town, that church, that generation that will stand in the gap and pray for that city, that town, that people, that generation. You always want that. So when God is saying, I found none, it just means for that particular group of people and that area, someone, no one stepped up to the plate to be an intercessor. He couldn't find anyone to do it. It didn't mean he didn't have one in all the world. It just means for that particular area and those people there was none he didn't find none he just needed one more person who desired strongly enough for the will of God to be done that they would give themselves to the Lord in prayer for the benefit of the city and the people but no one had a strong enough desire to step up and pray the will of God be done. And so what I want for you to understand is this. Most Christians will pray. Most people will pray. People that are not Christians, they pray. But we normally pray about the things that affect us immediately, directly. We usually pray about the things that pertains to us. So everybody pray. Well, a lot of people, most people pray. Okay, very few but a few people that don't pray and even the ones that tell you they, they don't believe in God and they don't really believe in all the stuff that we believe in when they get into a tight spot, whether you believe it or not, they say, Lord, if you will help me, that's prayer. So most people pray whether they admit to it or they don't. But the thing about prayer is most of the time we're praying, we're praying selfishly. Uh-huh. Amen. Come on now. I got got one amen. One come on now. <laughs> All right, let's go a little bit further. Today, the Lord is still seeking men and women who will take their stand for righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. Who will stand in the gap at the wall and confront the enemy with God's help in prayer. Uh, we need men and women who have the passion and courage to resist the popular evils of this day and dare to expose the breaks in the wall and seek to mend them. Church, we have to become the people of God who will take the stand for things that are not popular. Church, uh, a lot of times, 
we don't do things that God is calling us to do among the world because we don't want to feel out of place, which in itself is wrong because you shouldn't feel like you're in place with the world. You should always feel like you're out of place when you're talking about the world because a child of God is a child of the kingdom of God and they're not of the world. And so you shouldn't be working hard to try to fit in with the world because you're not of the world. You are a child of God, a child of the kingdom, and you should always feel like you're out of place with the world. But many times we're afraid, we're not courageous enough to begin to call evil, evil, and good, good. We're afraid to speak our minds. We know that the way our things are these days, we're so concerned about if we say the right thing, which is godly, that if we say it, we're going to get attacked so we stay quiet. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we struggle with in this hour because we know that we can be attacked or talked about. And here is another one. We are worried about, well, if I tell it plain and tell it straight and people's feelings get hurt, then I will never win them to the Lord. That was probably me for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because I'm always thinking about I need to win them to the Lord. I need to reach them. I need to share the gospel with them so they will receive what I'm saying. But if I tell them the truth that they don't want to hear, then they're not going to receive me. And so I got to make sure I kind of finesse this thing so they will receive me. And that is true. But you can't refrain from telling the truth. And that's why it's important that we spend time with God in prayer because God will give us the wisdom on how to speak his word, on how to be a witness and how to minister to people effectively and not be concerned about being offensive. That takes prayer. But if we're not in prayer, what's going to happen is we're going to be uh, involved in talking to people and we're going to do it in a carnal way. And that's how we're going to offend people. When we're not connected with the Lord and we're trying to tell people about the Lord, we will hurt their feelings. We will make them feel bad, even though we're telling them truth. But but if you will seek God and you will be in his face and praying and calling on the name of the Lord, then God will just work in you in such a way where when you begin to speak to people, even when you tell them truth, you will speak a way that will be effective. They will receive it. They will respond to it. And God will will be done in their life. So don't you worry about uh, the, 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 the popular evils of this world uh, trying to fit in and all of those things. Just just do what God wants you to do. Say, God, I'm here. Will you use me the way you want to use me and not be afraid how God wants to use you? The Lord is looking for intercessors. People who will cry out to him for mercy and for deliverance and for salvation and a return to righteousness and holiness. We want deliverance, yes. We don't have a problem with that. We want salvation, yes. We don't have a problem with that. But when it comes down to righteousness and holiness, we're struggling. Because righteousness means that we have to do things right according to the word of God and we find ourselves saying well and now we start negotiating righteousness righteousness is non-negotiable because if you want to get to the heart of the matter righteousness is who God is 
And so God changed not. So you can't finesse change when you're talking about righteousness. There is only one way in the ways of God. Mm -hmm. Surely the Lord must be disappointed that many of his people have time for everything else except intercessory prayer. Not just prayer. We're talking tonight about intercessory prayer. Because everybody pray, but our prayers are focused on us. And God is wanting to reach people that will be a people that will intercede. Because that's really what's wrong. As a matter of fact, I remember just understanding this for myself, that if you don't intercede, you make your life more difficult. See, when you start living for God, there's some things, you know, the Holy Ghost will help you to understand. Brother Izzy, if we don't intercede, we make our life more difficult. What do you mean by that, preacher? Okay, if I start to pray for my community and I start interceding for them, guess what? God will begin to touch their heart. I will begin to witness to them. And let's just say 50% of them start going to church. Guess what? It makes my life a whole lot more easier because I'm interacting with people that are righteous people, people that are doing the will of God. And so life is a whole lot different with people that are trying to do the same thing like I am doing. But the only way these people are going to be saved, the only people their life is going to only way that their life is going to be turned around is when the people of God intercede on their behalf. What do you think? People just come to God and nobody prays. Is that what we think? People just came to God and just just oh by happenstance they just rolled in the door. Oh, how did that reach here? No, that's not how it worked. Prayers were prayed and people were led. To, toward God, and that's how they got saved. None of us got saved on our own. Somebody prayed, and God led us. Because God will answer the prayers. So when somebody prayed, God says, I got it. And God orchestrated your way to get into the church. But somebody prayed. Don't miss that part. Somebody prayed, and that's why we're here. So if we want our life to be a whole lot easier, we need to be doing a whole lot of intercessory prayer that other people can come to know Jesus and start living for Jesus, which essentially will make our life a whole lot better. I'll give you another example. If I'm praying for my neighbor, for my neighbor to be saved and my neighbor likes to smoke weed, guess what? If my neighbor stops smoking weed, my neighbor won't be asking me, you want to you split, you want to hit, you want to split? Right. So 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 because guess what? You know how some people of the world are. They're like, come on, man. Church is not even all of that. We ain't doing all that for you. Don't have to do all that. And God ain't said nothing about you can't smoke. Take a hit, man. You know, there are people like that. They're going to tell you, man, this is weed. It comes from the ground. It's natural. This day and age, they tell you that it's natural. No, take a hit. But if you get that neighbor saved, that neighbor won't be asking you to take a hit of his ganja. No, sir. He, 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 he. So intercessory prayer, it will make your life easier, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. When we allow ourselves to be consumed by the events of this life, entertainment, and the cares of this world, we will not have the desire and passion to stand in the gap and pray intercessory prayer. So we must 
begin to examine ourselves and say, when I pray, what do I really pray about? When I pray, what's most of the focus of my prayer? And when I pray those prayers, am I really praying it sincerely or I'm just going through the motion of saying what I know is right? Because if we will be honest with ourselves, we will come to the place of saying, yes, most of the prayers that I pray, it links back to my life being beneficial. Mm -hmm. And so now I have to figure out how to change that. And that doesn't mean you just start saying different words because you can say words, but it's really not in your heart. You're just saying what you know how to say. And you want to pray prayers that are sincere. You want to pray prayers that are real. And so how do we pray intercessory prayer that is real if we don't believe in it? Because in our mind, praying for somebody else is wasting time. I need to use that time and pray for me and my family. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. But you're going to have to care about others that deeply. And I'm not saying anything out of the ordinary because the Lord says to love our neighbor as ourselves, And so that's something that we have to deal with. Am I loving my neighbor as I love myself? Because if I do, then I will pray extensively and just continually for my neighbor. So the question is, what kind of prayers do we pray? Because we will not pray intercessory prayers if we are consumed by the events of this life, by entertainment, by the cares of this world, and things like that. If we are consumed by those things, then we will end up praying only about what's going on with us. We normally only pray about the things we care about, and that's usually us and those connected to us. However, that is not intercessory prayer. The Lord is looking for intercessors. The Lord is looking for intercessors, people that will pray for others and not just pray for themselves. The intercessors will cause God to hold off his judgment. Here's why we need to be intercessors. The intercessors, prayer warriors, people that will pray for others. When they pray, they will cause God to hold off his judgment. But hear this, not because they have the power to do it. Our prayers don't demand and command God. Our prayers is only prayers of what God already said. So when we pray intercessory prayers, God answers that and people will experience the power of God in their life only because God has chosen the way, the method of intercessory prayer to do certain things. So you can't pray, I can't pray telling God what to do. To, to have his people begin to call on him for a certain situation for others. 
And that's called intercessory prayer. He instituted that. And so he decided this is a way, this is a method I will use at times to bless others, to help others. Not because I need you to do it, but that's just my plan. That's just how I work. And it makes sense because he calls us the body of Christ and the body has to function and take care of itself. And so we naturally should be doing things to help one another. And God has chosen intercessory prayer as one of the methods where we help one another. That makes sense? So listen to this. God is gracious. He is merciful. But here is the big one. He cannot deny himself. What does that mean, preacher? I'm glad to help you with that one. That's big. God is gracious. God is merciful. However, God cannot deny himself. He cannot deny who he is. And one thing that we know for sure about him is that God is righteous. Therefore, he cannot refuse to demonstrate righteousness. Sometimes his righteousness is revealed in his judgment. So here is a little secret. God is gracious. God is merciful. But God is righteous. So follow this. In his graciousness, we're like, yay, thank you, Jesus. No, I didn't deserve that. Thank you for that. Same thing with mercy. Thank you for that. You you spared me, Lord. But at some point in time, you got to pay the piper if you don't get, get it right. Because he's righteous. You follow what I'm saying? So sometimes we experience grace, we experience mercy. But if we don't do anything about it, when we have been given grace and mercy, judgment is coming. And that's his righteousness. What does that mean? It means God cannot continue to let us do evil and don't address it. He might not address it right away, grace. He might not address it right away, mercy. But he can't just let it continue and not address it. Righteousness. You follow what I'm saying? So we cannot be uh, misguided in our thinking and thinking that, okay, God has been good to me. Whatever God is doing to make things good for you, ask yourself, are you taking advantage of that opportunity God has given you? Are you taking advantage of the opportunity God has given you? For instance, you did something really bad, really wrong, and God didn't let the wrath come down upon you and do something crazy in your life, and and God showed you mercy. What are you doing about that? Waiting to go go do something else bad? Because you figured nothing bad happened to you when you did this bad thing. Sooner or later, we're going to have to pay the piper because God is righteous and he cannot allow us to continue to do wrong and not address it. That is supposed to work everywhere. As a parent, you're supposed to be merciful with your children, but at some point in time, you got to address it. 
in the church that is here and all the churches all around. People might do wrong while they're in ministry and we might not know what's going on or whatever. But at some point in time, we have to address it if it's wrong. Whatever is being done wrong in the church, at some point in time, we have to address it. We might not address it right away because we want to be like Jesus and be merciful. If we don't, we might not address it right away, but it has to be addressed because God is righteous. God is righteous. And so it doesn't mean he ignore us. We think that when, while he's giving us grace, we think, well, hmm, I got that one by him. <laughs> I got that one past Jesus. Woo, nothing happened. And all he was doing was showing you mercy. We, didn't, we can't get anything by him. Nothing. Uh-huh. Before God brings judgment upon his people, he always give them a chance to make things right. Study his nature. Study how he does things, his ways. Before he brings any real judgment on his people, he will always show mercy. He will always show grace before he judge, which is righteousness. So we, don't have any, we won't have anything to complain about when God's judgment come down upon us, if it happens to be that way, because it would have meant God gave us plenty of time to get it right. And we just kept on just overlooking him and ignoring him. Keep, keep thinking that, oh, this is the way it go. No, it, it just doesn't work that way where we just keep going wrong and God says, ah, it's no big deal, I love you. Because that's what we... We eat up. God loves me. And so we think that he will ignore our wrong, our disobedience. It's not the way it works. Let's take a quick look at the meaning of grace, the meaning of mercy, and the meaning of righteousness. Grace, I won't get too deep. All of these meanings are just... You know, meanings just to give you an idea of what they mean. Grace means favor or kindness shown with shown without regard to the worth or merit leaves it, and in spite of what that same person deserves, us kindness and favor. Grace is God showing us kindness and favor, even though we don't deserve it. Right. One of the things that is grace that we don't realize is the revelation we receive that almighty God became a man. That's grace because it's God making himself known to us. Did he have to do that? Or should he just say, you better seek me and figure it out. Find me. He said, seek me and you will find me. But he made it easy for us. He revealed himself that we can see him. That's grace that we might've overlooked. What's mercy? Mercy is helping those that are in need and those that are miserable or in a miserable state or condition who may or may not have caused their own situation. So there are people that are in need that may or may not have caused their situation and they need help. So I always say the best way to look at mercy is this. Deserved punishment withheld. 
mercy, deserved punishment withheld. This is what we do when we go to court and stand before the judge. DUI, one year in jail. And we go before the judge and say, please, your honor, mercy. What you're saying is, I don't want one year. Can you not give me no years? But if you have to give me some years, can you give me just a couple of months? Mercy. And that's what God has done for many of us, is that the punishment that we deserve, he withheld. Mercy. Righteousness, God's character, is the definition and source of all righteousness. Being right in all his ways. Everything God does is right. He cannot do something wrong. Everything he does is right. So he is righteous. Before the Lord ever judge us, he always gives an opportunity for us to make it right. Opportunities that we don't deserve because we already have his word where he's already said, you should not do blah, blah, blah. You should do blah, blah, blah. And we have his word. We read his word. We hear his word. And we know his word. But yet and still, we still went against his word. But God, in his grace and his mercy, he still provide us favor that we don't really deserve. He still withheld judgment, that punishment that we should have received. And so that's God showing us kindness, even though we don't deserve it. But sometimes we overlook and not realize, man, God is being good to me. But, but I better understand what it is that he's being good to me about and know what I need to do. It's one thing to go around and say, God is good to me. What you have to ask yourself is, but his goodness toward me, what should my response be? God's goodness towards me, what should my response be to him? You've heard me said many times, we love to say how much God loves us. And I like to sneak up and just push up right next to him and say, what about you? We love to quote God love us. Okay, well, do you love him back? Oh, I love God. Then sneak back up. Do you know what he did for you because he loved you? What? He became human, came to this earth, walked about this earth, was talked about, was ridiculed, was, was mocked. Then they crucified him, put him on a cross. I mean, they placed a spear in his side. They put nail in his feet. They put nail in his hands, crown a thorn in his head. You know, they, you know he did that because he loved you? So tell me what you're doing because you love him. Sometimes we get deep into this stuff or we just are so aloof about the things of God that it's really that simple. God loves us and he has demonstrated how much he loves us. The question now is, how do we demonstrate we love him? And I say all the time, coming to a church service is not it. Because coming to a church service is this. God loves us so much that when we come to the church service, you know what it is? God had cooked a meal and he's serving you. So how do you show him you love him? Because the church service is him cooking it up. Say, here you go, daughter. 
Here you go, son. Enjoy. I just cooked it up real good. I told the preacher what to tell you because I love you so much. I'm going to feed you my word. Now, what you going to do for him to show him you love him? Now, that's not easy. But that's what we need to think about. God has shown us that he loves us. He has demonstrated that. And we will say for sure we love him. Now, the question is how you know you love him and how you prove you love him. That's not easy. But we need to show God that we love him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he said. Because there must be evidence that we love him. We can't just give lip service. He didn't just give us lip service. Oh, I love y'all, but guess what? I ain't coming down that filthy earth. I love y'all, but mm -mm, I don't want none of y'all touching me. I'm righteous and holy. That's not what he did. He's righteous. He's holy. He's without sin. And he came to this world and demonstrated. Man, ladies, think about your newborn babe. You know, I hear the stories all the time. The, the young girls don't do this anymore, but I know the, 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 the ladies that's been around, you know, when you didn't have all this, this technology, Sister Crystal, I don't know if you ever had this, you had to do it, but this is what I used to hear. It happened to me. When babies used to be sick and had a head cold and stuffy, mom put their mouth on their nose and blow in one side and come out the other side. All kind of stuff they do. What's my point? My point is you love your child so much that nothing was nasty to you. It might have been nasty to your neighbor, but it ain't nasty to you. You did whatever it took for your child. You ready for the other one? Back in the day when I was a child, they didn't have diapers that you threw out. They had diapers that you had to wash. So, and plus, we wasn't eating the simple stuff. We was eating real stuff. So I'm sure the poop wasn't no, it was real poop. And so the mother, again, not the dad, the mother had to take off the diaper and that yucky stuff that's real and not that stuff they got now. They had to clean it out, wash it with their hands. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? It was no, they loved their child. They did whatever it took and there was no question. They weren't thinking about it. They just did it. That's our little bit of understanding of how God loves us. He didn't think about coming. He just came. He didn't think about going to the cross. He just went. So the question now is, how do we demonstrate we love him? That's all I'm asking. How do we demonstrate we love him? Because he has shown it. And we won't have excuses because we know the people we said we love, we've demonstrated that. So let's just ask ourselves that and work with that a little bit. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. The goodness of the Lord still requires us to respond in the right way. What must we realize 
or what we should realize is that God should not have to look for intercessors. For we who are followers of Christ, followers of the Lord, the born again believers, those baptized in his name and filled with his spirit, the church, we are intercessors. Intercessory prayer is not something we say, oh, that's them. Man, we have been so good at making excuses as to why we don't do what we should do. Oh, oh, they're the intercessory prayer warriors. Do y'all know about that? Yeah, the old church, they have, they, they, yeah, they have them, inter, them, them, them mothers back in the day. We put it on them mothers. No, them mothers prayed, but we always supposed to be praying like them. But we want to put it off on the mothers. Oh, them old time mothers, man, they prayed so good. You came into church and you wasn't right. They knew. They saw right through you. We was all supposed to be doing that. Not the mothers only. But the mothers took the time to pray. That was, that's the difference. The mothers took the time to pray and we didn't. So the mothers, they was locked in. But all of us are supposed to be intercessors. You ready for this? Moses was an intercessor. You don't believe? In Exodus chapter 32, verse 11, Moses prayed. He says, and Moses besought the Lord, his God, and said, one of my favorite prayer in the Bible, Moses besought the Lord and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Watch this, Moses praying, boy. Wherefore, should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did, the, did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of thy evil against thy people. That was Moses praying for the children of Israel because they complained so much that God says, you know what, you know what? You know what? Let me straighten y'all out. I'm just gonna send the fiery serpent. I'm just gonna send the serpent to bite you and kill you and get. I'll just start over with some brand new people because y'all are getting on my nerves. And Moses says, God, you brought them out of the land of Egypt. Everybody saw your strong hand, how you parted the Red Sea. But if you killed them now, the people are gonna say you brought them out and killed them. God, that's not gonna look good on you. Woo! Go ahead, Moses. That's some good intercession right there. But the key was Moses was praying for some people. It wasn't even selfish on him. He was praying for the people he was leading. Intercessory prayer is praying for others. It's not praying for you to get what you need. Jeremiah also prayed intercessory prayer. But there was a time where Jeremiah was getting ready to pray intercessory prayer, and the Lord said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 16. Watch this. I don't know if you knew this was in the Bible. This is interesting. So, so Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 16. Listen to this. Therefore, pray not thou. This is the Lord talking to Jeremiah. Therefore, pray not thou for this people. Jeremiah was ready to go stand in the gap. But the Lord said, don't pray for them people. Neither lift up cry nor prayer for them. Neither make intercession for to me, for I will not hear thee. He will hear, but he won't listen. <laughs> Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? So this is telling us if God show us grace 
and God shows us mercy and we don't do what we're supposed to do to respond the right way. It don't matter how much the pastor pray. It don't matter how much the minister pray. It don't matter how much the prayer warrior pray. It doesn't matter how much anybody pray. God's going to say, nope, I don't want to hear it. They're going through it right now. So sometimes what God does is he make you go through it. Because that's the way you will get restored or get delivered or cry out to him on your own. Is when he allow you to go through it. Because for so long he's shown you goodness. For so long he shows you mercy. For so long he shows you his grace. And you turn your back and keep on doing what you want. And God said, oh really? And what he does sometimes is say, well I'm just going to let you be miserable for a minute. I'm just going to let that thing control you. I'm just going to let it rule you and just do you any kind of way. And if you really know me and you want to be saved, you will cry out. Sometimes we pray for God to save people, and when God is saving them, we think they're going through, and we want God to do something different. No, what God is doing sometimes, he's letting you cook. Yeah, uh uh-huh. He's letting us cook, because that's the only message that we're going to respond to, the one where we're just, just, just going through. God, if you're real, don't you show yourself to me. And God said, I thought you would never ask. I've always been right here, but you just don't listen. What, 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 what God, God might have been the one that says, a hard head make a soft behind. Maybe he started that. I don't know. You know, we heard that, but Jesus might have started that. He might have said, a hard head make a soft. So he's just saying, since you want to have a hard head, just go ahead. I'm just going to let the world do what it do to you until you cry out to me and say, ah, Lord, help me. That's the way he does at times. You think parents beating you just started? No, Jesus started that. Uh, he let you get beaten so you can start crying out. Say, all right, all right, all right, all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, I'm going to finish up here. So Moses prayed. Jeremiah prayed. We know he prayed, but in this particular text, the Lord said, uh-uh, don't, don't bring that mess to me. I'm going to show them another thing. But guess who also prayed? Watch this. Acts chapter 12. This is where I'm finishing up here. Acts chapter 12, verse number one. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Watch this. And when he had apprehended him, apprehended Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So Peter got apprehended and put in jail. Verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison. But watch it now. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So if you didn't get the message that I'm preaching today, I told you that we are intercessors. 
And probably when you saw that, you were like, no, there's a special group of people that do that. That's some old mothers that do that. That's some other people that, that ain't me. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you become a part of the church, if you are saved, if you've been born again of the warden of the spirit, if you say you are a part of the body of Christ, you are part of the church, then that qualifies you. That puts you in the position of being an intercessor and not just praying for you but praying for your city and praying for people and praying for the lost we are all intercessors and nobody is exempt from it if you are a part of the body of Christ oh thank you Lord so we're not we're not passing that off on nobody else no more we're not saying oh she's just special you know she prays Oh, he's special. He just prays. No, no, we're all supposed to pray. Real intercessory prayer. Verse 6 says, And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side. Get up, boy, saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. So the angel showed up. He smote Peter on the side, chains falling off, all that kind of stuff. Verse 8, and the angel said unto him, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. Man, it sounded like Peter was naked up in that joint. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Peter wasn't even sure what was going on. He thought he was dreaming or he had a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he says, Now I know of a surety that the Lord had sent his angel and had delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. You know what's interesting? When people are going through it, they tell the church, why don't you pray for me? Can you pray for me? And this today, when I read this, I thought about something different. Why even go through having the church pray for you? Why don't you just come to church and pray for yourself? If the church pray for you and God deliver you, don't you want to be a part of that thing that has that power with God? That when they pray, something happens for you? Why keep telling people, pray for me? Why don't you just show up and be a part of the church and you will experience the power of God? You see how crazy we can be? We keep going around. We see people, you praying for me? Why don't you just come and be here? If, if you know the prayers work, why you keep on trusting other people to remember? You're trusting other people to remember to pray 
people with, when they say pray for me, we're afraid to say, why don't you come and pray for yourselves? Because I might forget. Because I got a, 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 a whole lot of other things I need to remember to pray about. Why don't you come and pray? Because you know I might forget. You trusting somebody to remember to pray for you? You better come up in that peace and pray for yourself. Herod undoubtedly was planning to execute Peter, but the believers were praying fervently for Peter's safety. The earnest prayer of the church significantly affected the outcome of that event. I'm telling you, God, for whatever his reason, has instituted intercessory prayer for us to pray for him to work. It's just like faith. There, there's something that he designed and wanted to do. He says faith will be the currency that you use when you do my will. And he says prayer Intercessory prayer is the method I will use at times to loose the captive, to just begin to reach and touch lives and to help people. That's the thing I want to use. That's what he wants to use. It's not because you're telling God what to do. It's because God had decided that's one of the methods that I will use to deliver people. That's one of the methods I will use to save people. That's one of the methods I will use to help people out of their tight position and situations. That's one of the methods I will use to break the stronghold in people's life. If you will pray, then I will do the work. But that's what I instituted for you to pray and for me to work. Intercessory prayer. The phrase but prayer is the turning point in Peter's situation because the church began to pray. Peter's situation turned around. Trust me, God could have left Peter in that jail because Peter was already saved. He could have left Peter in that jail and eventually they would have killed Peter. And guess what? It wouldn't have mattered because Peter would have now been with the Lord forever. So God didn't have to save Peter out of that situation. But he did. Because he established this method, intercessory prayer. If y'all will call upon my name, I will work on what you called upon my name for me to do. That's what I want. Because I said all this. Don't you hear me say this? There will be no selfish people in heaven. Because there's no way to be a selfish Christian. And so God is God has instituted ways for us not to be selfish. And one of the ways he has instituted is that we will be intercessory prayer warriors. So we will pray for each other. And that way we will always be interacting and caring and wanting to see good for each other. Intercessory prayer is wanting to see good for people and not just for yourself. I'm done. I'm done. Prayer was made earnestly of the church unto God for him. On the one side, there was the forces of this world keeping him bound and locked up. We have to think about this church. On one side, Peter was in this jail. I mean, he was locked down and locked up and chained up. He wasn't just in the jail. Man, he was chained while he was in the jail. And so he was really bound and he was really in captivity. And on the other side, all you had was some church people. They didn't have no bulldozer. They didn't have no guns. They didn't have no, 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 they didn't have any weapon that they could have used to go get Peter with. 
The only weapon they had was prayer. And the church prayed. And when the church prayed, Peter was delivered and the power of God moved in that jail and Peter was delivered and set free with prayer, not with weapons of this mass destruction. He was set free. As a matter of fact, let's stand. As a matter of fact, it makes you think about we need to lift up uh, uh, Ukraine and Russia in our prayers, understanding because sometimes the devil wants you to think how he is moving and the things that he is doing that there is nothing we can do. But church, here's a revelation tonight. We've seen it in the word of God. We can do greater than what the devil think he can do and so what we see with our naked eyes of how things are going on in the world sometimes we don't pray because we think that what can our prayers do but we've seen it peter was inside of the prison he was chained up inside the prison he had guards all around him and the lord still delivered him out of that situation i'm telling you it doesn't matter what Putin is doing to these people. It doesn't matter what people are going through in their situation over in Ukraine. If we will pray and say, God, will you keep them? God, will you protect them? God, will you bless them? Lord, will you deliver them? Lord, will you make a way of escape for them? Because they might not be saved yet. And God, how will you let them perish and they're not saved? I know you've been gracious to them. I know you've been merciful to them. But God, we, your people, People, the church, we're calling on your name and crying out to you to say, don't let any more die without knowing you, without being born again, without repenting of their sins, without becoming a part of the church. Don't let them die. Don't let them die. Uphold them, direct them, and keep them, and protect them, Lord. Send your angels, if you will, Lord, that will take them out of their situation. Send your angel, Lord God. Send your angel to be their guide. Send your angel to lead them out of their situation. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Send your angel, Lord God. Deliver and set free and heal, Almighty God. Send your angel, Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, save our cities, Lord God. Lord, there are people that don't know you, Almighty God. Don't let them die in their sins, Lord God. I know you've been merciful. I know you've been gracious, Lord. But, Lord Jesus, I know that they need to turn from their ways of sin. Turn from their ways of unrighteousness. Turn from their ways of self-centeredness. And, oh, God, look to you. I pray tonight, Lord God, that you will deliver our cities, almighty God, from bondage and from sin. Sin, that you will set the captives free in our towns and in our communities, Lord God. And oh God, you will send your angels to lead them out of destruction. Send your angels to lead them out of their captivity. Send your angels, Almighty God, to lead them, oh God, to liberty, to true freedom in Jesus Christ. For it is your will that they experience life and have it more abundantly, Lord.
Lord. Send your angels, Lord. Send your angels, Almighty God. Send your angels, Almighty God, to deliver our children that are bound with sin, that are lost. Send your angels to lead them out of sin. Send your angels to deliver them from the strongholds. Oh, God, send your angels into our communities, Lord God, that we can be your witness, that we can be your witness to them, and we can teach them your ways. Send your angels, Almighty God, to set the captives free, to deliver, Lord God. Oh, Father, we're thankful for the opportunity and privilege to pray, to intercede. Oh, God, to not make this about us, Lord, but to be intercessors and to pray the prayers of faith. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I pray that you will move in this church, that you will send your angels, Lord God, to move upon us in this church, to lead us in only the way that you can lead us, Lord. Deliver us that are struggling in this church. Break the invisible chains that binds us in this church. Loose us from all captivity in this church. Open our eyes for us to see clearly in this church. Help us, Almighty God, to live a life of complete liberty in Christ Jesus in this church. Oh, God, we love you. We thank you tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, for your word. Your word, oh, God, is already settled. Your word is true, Lord God. Your word is true, Lord God. Your word, Almighty God, we hold on to, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. We thank you today, Lord. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. You're great. You're great. And you're greatly to be praised. Ah. Lord, bless and strengthen your people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God bless your church. Whenever you're ready to go, you're free to go. Give to our building fund. The basket is in the back. I love you. Have a great rest of your evening. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. To tear and to die. Your strength for today. And I'd hope for tomorrow. Blessings of mine. With Ten thousand.